welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. This is a very, very special episode altogether, gentlemen, is it not? Indeed it is, yeah. It is our own heart tribute special. We've decided not to record a review or commentary of Over the Edge 1999, for obvious reasons. Instead, what we're actually going to do is we're going to have a tribute to one of our favourite wrestlers of all time and have a proper good markout session yeah. over own heart. So we're going to actually be looking through five matches which were chosen half by us half by people online going to go through some of Owen's infamous ribs funny moments stories things of that nature spoofs and goofs spoofs and goofs galore and then after that we are going to have a chat about Owen's legacy and you know his his impact in the wrestling business and his career hello and once again I'm the Rocket Kevin Mann joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts and comrades and colleagues first of all the black heart Adam Bibolo yes I'm worried that this is might just going to devolve into us just going own heart and uh, mad. And I just... did it all by myself. <laughs> yes, I'm a winner. I'm the black heart, damn it. And of course, uh, to my left, the blee blazer. <laughs> the blee blazer. It's the best we got. Uh, Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello. Looking forward to talking about own heart. Yes, I am. Okay, well, here we go, guys. It's time for the special. It's own dependence day, as we have coined it. <laughs> time to look back at the rocket, own heart. Some, we thought you were having compassion for your brother. Vince McMahon said we're seeing the true Owen Hart. This obviously was some sort of setup. <laughs> a setup? You got it right, that was a setup. This is the greatest Thanksgiving of my life. And mom and dad, <laughs> you fell right into my trap. You threw the towel in, and Brett, you're no longer the WWF champion. Mr. Backlund is. And Brett, I could have beaten you before, but you cheated. But now, you're nothing. You're below me. You're down there in the gutter, Brett. You're not a champion anymore. You're a loser. And I'm a king. And Brett, you're a nobody. I'm going to be the WWF Tag Team Champion. I am going to be a WWF Intercontinental Champion. And Brett, I am going to be the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. And I, unlike you, will never quit. I will never surrender. You're a quitter, Brett. Mom and Dad threw in the towel, and you're history, Brett. And I am. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Don't you forget it, brother. Okay, gentlemen, so we have got five matches that were chosen mostly by the, uh, the people online uh, over at facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast, which you should like, and also on at AE Podcast over on Twitter. We were flooded with a variety of messages, and it seemed to be pretty much uh, unifying the matches that people wanted us to see. So we picked kind of a few matches which maybe kind of encapsulate Owen's in-ring style, some of his best storylines and best feuds that he was involved with, and also maybe some you know stuff we didn't really uh, know about Owen, such as the, the first match which we're going to look at here. What we haven't got here is any kind of like Attitude Era match. <laughs> oh, really Attitude Era podcast. We've no Attitude Era matches. We've done them all by now, anyway. So. We, we've covered the bulk of, of those, so I do suggest definitely going out and checking out some some previous episodes, such as Breakdown, see Owen versus Edge, mm. uh, Owen versus Triple H at WrestleMania 14. Bottom line is there's obviously a lot more than five amazing Owen Hart matches. Obviously, there's an amazing catalog out there. So if we 
don't go and look at the match which you thought we should have, you know, it, it's it's not impersonal. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, these are the matches we've settled with. And this first match really grabbed my attention. It was uh, suggested to us by a couple of guys. And this is great because I'm forever trying to get into uh, Japanese wrestling properly. I watch matches here and there. I love Stan Henson. I love Dr. Death Steve Williams and stuff like that. But I've never really, like, followed Japanese wrestling uh, consistently. That's why I was really uh, excited to cover this match which is Own Heart versus Jushin Thunder Liger from New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1991. Fucking amazingly weird to see this match. So yeah. strange. Really um, strange. Really. Owen Hart looking buffer than he's, he's ever he's looked. Massive. Yeah. He's massive. He's fighting the Power Ranger. <laughs> Actually, it's funny you say that. My thought was every Power Ranger villain combined into one person. <laughs> he is, he's uh, got the horns, the colours. <laughs> we can say from the outset, uh, you know, our, our area of expertise is definitely uh, solidly the Attitude Era, so please forgive us if, you know, we're, we're unfamiliar with... You ignorant. Know, ignorance. I, I don't think you guys were familiar with Jushin Thunder Liger. I've really. heard the name loads. I've heard but... the name, but know nothing about the name. No. Pretty legendary uh, Japanese high flyer, really kind of went a long way to innovating that kind of hybrid submission and high-flying style that people like Daniel Bryan and CM mm. Punk and whatnot did for years to come. He, he's, his main quality, that's just outstanding, is is his, is his how long he's been going and the style that he works. He's still wrestling. Mm. Despite, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, this is 20 years after the fact. Over 20 years after the fact. And yeah. Liger is still going strong. Like. Is he? Oh, I think he might be in his 50s now. Um, workhorse. Workhorse, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think he really personifies a lot of what's amazing about Japanese wrestling, all the appeal. Really strong style, weird-ass moves, which you're probably only ever going to see in computer games outside of these matches. Pretty much, yeah. And also, as well, the man looks amazing. I want a toy of him. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I, that's that's just the way it is, like, you know? I can't help this sort of weird curiosity I have that, like, you know, when you see a new masked wrestler that comes along, you th- sort of think, oh, I wonder if, you know, he's ever been unmasked on TV or anything. This this guy, I can't seem to find a picture of him on Master or anything. He's, he's kept this mystique of his <laughs> yeah. for yeah, his entire it's, career. It's quite amazing because you generally associate that kind of mystique with uh, Mexican wrestlers and luchadors yeah. as opposed to uh, Japanese. Japanese wrestlers. But yeah, I don't think he's been unmasked. He says unwittingly as now he gets a flood of messages. We know nothing. From, <laughs> from the likes of Pile Driver Wrestling, who know a lot more about Japanese wrestling. But um, Owen had been, in, you know, he came up through Stampede Wrestling, which was, you know, where all the hearts came up through, which was Stu Hart's promotion up in Calgary. Mm. And he was in WWF for a cup of coffee. There's that, oh, there's that phrase again. So yeah, Owen was in WWF for a cup of coffee, like 89 to 91. Highlight of which was he wrestled Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania as the Blue Blazer. So Owen was. <laughs> like the blue blazer originally oh, which sorry is, the blue blazer is that old yeah that's that's wow. that's why it was a throwback when Owen was doing in the edge there that Owen was originally uh, the blue blazer that's amazing I can tell you right now one of my absolute favourite things is when a guy reverts back to an, a gimmick he had yeah. like you know when Al Snow uh, became Avatar for one week and at one point in the edge there it mm. blew my mind so Owen left WWE in like 91 and then he went back to the independent circuit and wrestled a lot in Japan and this was uh, one of his most like well-reviewed well-received matches Owen is wearing the most Canadian ring gear ever <laughs> he is fuck me Mr. Canada over yeah. Lance Storm take note like you know I didn't know what to expect watching this match off the bat because if you're watching something from the early 90s and people are like oh it's an amazing technical display blah 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 mm. but I mean obviously the bar has always been raised and raised and raised I'm always wondering do these matches live up I mean I know for example you know Wrestlemania 10 they have the big ladder match Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon I know showing friends that going oh it's one of the greatest ladder matches of all time but they've been conditioned to the likes of you know Money in the Bank and Hardy Boys and TLC so they're kind of like oh you know that's it's not as it's not as spectacular to them but I have to say I thought this match uh, from the get-go 
you, you knew you were in for some technical marvel. Yeah, it holds up by today's standards, definitely. Yeah, the definitely. the opening sequence, these guys, just anytime On goes into this counter chain, he's just flipping back and forth. It's amazing. Outstanding. It's, it's amazing to see a, a huge sequence of flip de doos. Flip de doos, so, yes. So, so early in a match. Because almost yeah. immediately they, they, they grapple, then flip, 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 flip everywhere. It's awesome because we would see a little bit of this in Owen's matches. I think we had a bit with Edge and some other guys when he was mm. wrestling. He'd just pull out this quick chain wrestling. Like, whoa, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. But it's actually, looking back here, that was like the bulk of Owen's style was this kind of luchador. Just couldn't really do it in stuff. WWF, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he did change his style um, considerably. Owen, early on, he does this kind of springboard lucha arm drag spot, which yeah. just absolutely... Blew my mind. It was fantastic. Also, early on, we have our grunt of the night. Oh. <laughs> Bet you didn't think I'd go there for this episode. Did Spoiler you? alert! Before we go any further, Owen will be tonight's MVP. But <laughs> <laughs> go on with your uh, your grunt of the night. <laughs> it's just uh, at the start of the match, they're having a little bit of a test of strength, where they're both clutching their hands, you know, above their shoulders and everything. And uh, Thunder Liger, almost like he's constipated, just goes. <laughs> I do love Japanese grunts. They're absolutely fantastic. It's they're just, very vicious and aggressive. Yeah, and they're only—they're not coming out for for spectacle. They're coming out for purpose. Like, and yeah. also because the crowd's so quiet, when they grunt, they fucking grunt. You can, you can hear, hear it. it. Yeah, well, it's something we've noticed before that the Japanese in any situation they, they make such great noises. It's like yeah. something we've noticed in like animated films. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I can't believe my son watches those wrestling matches. <laughs> that is the most obscure reference such a day on the podcast. If you get it, you get a little prize. You get an apple if you get it. <laughs> <laughs> Referenceception right there. We get a suplex to the outside. Absolutely outstanding. And then an Indian death lock from Jushin Thunder Liger which is quite amazing because you see Liger and I mean you automatically think Liger dressed up in flashy gear wearing a mask all this stuff you're thinking this guy's going to be just off the ropes all this stuff but he's actually got this really methodical like uh, submission style mm. you know it's quite mm. amazing in this match we get really interesting back and forth and this is I suppose the difference between the WWF style that we're used to and the Japanese style there's no like blatant good guy and bad guy here and you're not getting your usual kind of bad guy works over good guy good guy gets a bit of hope and then the bad guy works over him again and the good guy either overcomes yeah. or it's it's just real back and forth it's more just, of a gladiators match isn't yeah, it it's yeah. just fight for 15 minutes then it'll end it's, it's amazing because yeah <laughs> like, I mean, that is what it was well like. you get you get like Liger working over Owen and putting him in submission then all of a sudden out of nowhere Owen starts working the arm and it's really fucking uh, Owen like working the arm in this it just stood out to me like he does things like he'll put him in a butterfly suplex holds on to the arm then flips him over into an arm bar like no yeah. wasted motion he looks so menacing when he's, when he's working in the arm and then to get out of it uh, Liger did something I've never seen before where he went to the, went crawl to the ropes backwards yeah. and clung on with his feet oh, yeah. I'd never seen that before yeah. and it's, uh, I, don't I don't know, know but you guys I found this match when Owen was being worked over by Liger I was like come on Owen you can fucking yeah, do it yeah. and when Liger was being worked over by Owen I was like come on Liger you can yeah. do it they're both faces aren't they it's really strange to see you can kind of root for both guys Liger at one point then gets his own arm bar locked in and it's Fucking vicious, this Fujimura armbar. Mm. Leaning all the way back, really, really scary. And then we get one of my favourite moves ever. And it was a move which... For me, if you can do this move and your opponent can do this move with you and you can do it successfully for a period of time, you're a good wrestler. 
It's the Mexican surfboard stretch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. If you can actually pull that off, then my hat is yeah. off to you. That was a move which I remember in WrestleMania 2000. I gave it to every guy because I thought it was so weird. <laughs> and for the longest time, I don't th- I think that when I actually first saw someone do it, it might have been like a Ring of Honor match in like 2005 or whatever, to see someone finally do this Mexican surfboard the stretch. The video game move. It's such a video game. I think Daniel Bryan, William Regal, CM Punk... Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose—it's a short Very list. Very small amount of people. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a hell of a maneuver right there. I wrote down here at one point: uh, Jushin Thunder Liger equals Daniel Bryan. Uh, I, that might not be a very accurate description, but just in terms of the fact that he does all these his moveset, his moveset, the submission. Yeah. It's, 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 it's similar. You can see that Bryan has somewhat been influenced by him. I think yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Liger is definitely a template for that kind of like indie guy style which is, you know, jack of all trades kind of yeah. almost has to do a bit of everything. There's a uh, the huge Owen Hart chant which I which I yeah. actually love. It's, it's made even more better with the word nugget not being anywhere near. <laughs> yeah. you know, well, what I, like I am not a gaijin. <laughs> I'm a winner. A sole survivor. <laughs> Own heart impression <laughs> but what is good is like with the chants and stuff like that is because um, this is a we'll talk about this right now obviously the match is great and the athleticism is amazing and spectacular the crowd but yeah with it's, it, weird, it's a completely it? different format with it being Japanese and you know I don't understand the commentary obviously so I find it harder to get buy into the match and follow the, uh, yeah. the momentum of it but the one thing I did really appreciate is that the crowd start off very quiet. So then by the end of the match, when they're screaming and roaring, it, it means, actually means something. Yeah. Exactly. And this is like, uh, I know Brett in his book, Brett wrote that he didn't didn't actually like wrestling in Japan for that very reason. Because he thought he'd be wrestling you know, a hell of a match, doing some great moves, a great back and forth. And the crowd were being silent. He was he's offended like, by it. He's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, give us a little something of what we're doing. But I think that it's so strange, the Japanese crowd. It's not just a case of they're quiet and then they get loud at the end or they're... I mean, if you're doing very technical-based stuff, it's considered good form just to sit there, you know, be quiet mm. and whatnot. And then, you know, if someone gets the better sequence... A round, of, he, applause. A round of applause. A round of applause. You know, I, I actually, um, in a bizarre series of events, actually witnessed uh, uh, Japanese wrestling in Kurukan Hall. I got to go to a show once... And it was the strangest thing ever because your instinct when you're in a wrestling match is like, yeah, fuck him up, you know, to yeah. stand up. And it's like, no, sit down. Now, if we get into the final sequence then and shit starts going down, no one loses their shit quite like a Japanese audience because they like <laughs> they, they they wait their time. And I, I I love when a Japanese a Japanese crowds for this reason because when you when they think the match is over and then there's ten more minutes, yeah. They're, those 10 minutes, they're fucking like, they Constantly don't stop screaming at the top of their lungs. They have actually guys in the crowd just going, ah! <laughs> And that's what happens here. Pretty much the entire second half of this match. Definitely. Yeah. Like, we start getting stop. own hitting some of these really rapid fire moves and getting, uh, you know, these amazing two counts that the crowd just buy into so yeah. much. The, uh, the whole crowd just turns into Ken Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> hundreds of Ken Shamrock just screaming. It's, I couldn't think of a scarier image. <laughs> but it's easy to see how it could get to a wrestler, so to speak, or how it could throw them almost, not knowing, you know, the, the kind of... Oh, yeah. The I weird, like, imagine. the weird phases of a Japanese wrestling crowd. Like, Are they going to applaud me? Are they going to stay silent? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's quite interesting different psychology i suppose but uh we get an amazing belly to belly by own heart i do believe i'll say that at least five times in, in this <laughs> in this episode liger drop kicks own in mid air 
And like I was like, okay, that's a pretty amazing spot. But then I had to sit back and remind myself, this is what nineteen ninety one. Very yeah. very early. Right, then, this is when you're having fucking you know Hogan leg dropping Sid Vicious in WWF, and that's impressive. You know, and that's yeah. what people are into. This is so far ahead of its time. Owen hits the tombstone pile driver, heads the yeah. top. <laughs> I know, amazing. What's right? that all about? Well, Dynamite Kid, obviously, who would have been close friends with Owen, he that was his sequence was the the tombstone pile driver and the the diving headbutt. So it was obviously a bit. Oh, Dynamite was a big player in Japan, obviously. So I, that I was, never knew that either. I, I only knew the tombstone from Undertaker and Kane. I've yeah, never seen uh, anyone else. It was the go-to move for the Dynamite Kid. So we get an amazing near falls. Crowd going absolutely ape shit. An electric chair drop from the top rope, mm. which I I mean. And before I could, like, absorb that and process that, we get the finish, which is a DDT off the top. So he, horrific, Rand, isn't it? Randy Orton with your shitty fucking apron DDT. This is a real DDT. Yeah. Off the top rope. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. Like, no, I've seen no guys, I don't think I have. I've seen guys go off the second rope, yeah. you know, or, like, like Orton, like, lean up against a turnbuckle. But the top, tippity top it, well, rope. Well, you think it's going to be a superplex or something by looking at it, don't you? It doesn't look like it's going to be a regular like, superplex. Hey, no. Nope. Didn't, didn't you, you forgot to hook the arm there, Jushin. What, what are you doing? Nope. What, Amazing. No. So, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger wins. One of the reasons why I felt we should have done this match or picked this match is that, you know, Owen, for most of his career where he was in uh, America, he was wrestling a slowed down version of what he was capable of and I think a lot of the times in what we've reviewed Owen's matches on the uh, on the podcast particularly his match against X-Pac at King of the Ring mm. we see flashes of this old yeah. kind of uh, Owen style like Owen basically adopts a style very similar to his brothers later on you know that kind of technical grand style yeah. but Owen could fucking springboard he could high fly you know that was why he got uh, hired originally by WWE because he was the, the big high flyer from it's so weird wrestling you only see glimpses of this in yeah. his stuff in WWE and like, I sort mm. of assume because you know you only see bits and pieces you don't sort of literally think well that's all he can do but yeah. you know you sort of take for granted that that's what it's, he does it's um, untapped potential then you see a match yeah. like this. never really took advantage of well it's like you know there's other guys happened as well I mean like in WCW Steve Austin and in Japan as well Austin was just this amazing technical uh, wrestler or a carpenter slash mechanic as he refers to himself every five seconds <laughs> on his own podcast but you know you, you would know Austin now almost entirely for his brawling but he had that amazing technical skills Sabu apparently according to himself at least is a hell of a Matt wrestler as well Balls Mahoney is another amazing Matt wrestler there are loads of wrestlers who actually have this whole other side to them you never yeah. see but once you find what works for you and I mean I suppose for Owen if he can get as big a reaction you know doing his technical stuff as opposed to jumping off the top rope every night yeah. I mean that's smart, understandable smart strategy there <laughs> Thoughts yeah, incredible match. It was. I don't think I had seen anything quite like that until only sort of the past. For me, just only being in interesting for in terms of you guys, very short time. I don't think I've seen anything like that since about two thousand eleven. Yeah, it's something it's, like that. Like it's a it's a style that like people like Punk and Brian are definitely capable of. But uh, it's just like it's another world, really. I mean, that's what's oh, so totally. for me. That's that's why I always this thing. It's like it's like jazz or, or the blues and things. I really want to get into fucking Japanese but wrestling. How? But how? You yeah. know, it's this whole other world. It's this whole other um, thing. It's as far away from you know the Attitude Era as you as, can possibly yeah. get. So it's weird for us reviewing this, I suppose. That was but. the first Japanese wrestling match I've ever actually watched, start to finish. Yeah, yeah same. With me. It was really jarring. Like I say, uh, I found it hard to really at times, like you know, a few minutes in, I found it hard to buy into the momentum of the match because. Again, I just, I just couldn't follow it even because mm. uh, I wasn't used to there being so much going on constantly and, you know, you can't understand the commentary, the crowd's quiet. It's just weird more than anything else. 
But at the same time, by the end of this match, I was completely like raring to go yeah. kind of thing. Like, come on, I, I want to see someone win here. This is amazing. It's quite outstanding stuff, definitely. So moving on now, this match coming up next was overwhelmingly like, you know, everyone was tweeting us saying, please do this match. And there was no question in our mind that we were not going to do this match. I mean, it's uh, Owen versus Bret Hart from WrestleMania 10. Please keep the noise down. You will be taking on your brother in the match of your career. It will be a chance for you to prove to yourself, your family, and everybody out there that you are the most superior athlete to ever come from the Hart family just one week away. You know, Johnny, I've waited all my life for this opportunity. I'm gunning for you, Brett. You've held me down all my life. I know if I had a little brother that was better than me, like I am to you, then I would have held him down too. I would have cast a shadow on him all my life. But let me tell you, Brett, you don't see any fear in my eyes. I know you're trying to pawn yourself off as some great, some great humanitarian that didn't want to accept this match. But I know why you didn't want this match, Brett. It's not because you're some great guy. It's because deep down inside, inside your heart, Brett, you're scared. You know I'm better than you. And I am better than you, Brett. And come WrestleMania, I'm going to beat you. Because I don't know what law it is that says just because you're older than me that that makes you better than me. It doesn't make you better than me, Brett. And you've held me down all my life. And I'm coming at you, Brett. At WrestleMania 10, and I'm gonna beat you, brother. brother versus brother. One of my absolute favorite matches of all time, actually. And uh, what was great about this match was just that it had such a, a long build up. Owen had come back to uh, the WWF in like '92 or whatever, and he was did did some you know tag team stuff with Jim Neidhart, and nothing. He didn't really pick up much momentum. Then he got involved in this amazing storyline where. Uh, it was the Hearts were involved in the Survivor Series match, and Owen was the only guy who got eliminated. So he was the youngest Aww. brother, and you know, uh, I, I'm I'm the youngest brother in my family as well, so I, I could really relate to <laughs> yeah. the storyline and retroactively looking back at it now, which is like Owen was so frustrated because he knew he was good and he thought he was better than his brothers, especially Brett, but he was you know, floundering, you know, he had been, you know, the blue blazer and was you know, wearing hokey ring gear and yeah. in shit tag teams. So then uh, Breton was kind of like, right, me and you are going to be a tag team. And they challenged for the tag titles at the Royal Rumble, where Owen basically just turned on Brett and kicked his leg out of his leg. I don't need you with a bad leg doing a Brett. You're too damn selfish. And that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's from. I absolutely love this simply because, you know, up until the point where we came to here, Owen was just kind of like, oh, he's that, you know, that clean cut, nice younger brother of Brett. What a nice kid. I'm sure he'll be a nice dude someday. And out of nowhere, he becomes this over-the-top, like, just a man looks like he's about to explode. The most mm. jealous man ever. Like, you see him when he comes out at the start of this match. He's literally seething all the time. I've actually invented a word that describes Owen Hart. Uh, hilarious. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I love heels right. like this. He's so perfect at it, isn't he? Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, he's great. So we're in Madison Square Garden for this match. The opening contest of WrestleMania 10. Brett would go on later in the night to challenge... Yokozuna for the, the world title but honestly this match was the match that everyone wanted to see this in my mind was the real main event because it was the match that had the most story going into it mm. but uh, yeah the, the start of this is, is awesome because you're in Madison Square Garden 
the announcer goes, ladies and gentlemen, you know, opening contest, making his way to the ring from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Everyone stands up and is like, oh shit, here comes Brett. And then Owen comes out instead. Yeah. And Owen's got Brett's glasses on. <laughs> it's one of my favorite entrances ever because like Owen steps out of the shadows, you know, and like Vince on commentary is like, oh, he's actually literally stepping out of the shadows tonight. He's going to beat his brother and he rips up the sunglasses. He's such a heel here. It's absolutely His music I swear to God, is girls just want to have fun. I, I was thinking the S- exact seriously. same thing. I love that music so How much. How is this not a thing? Honestly. When you wake up! <laughs> Woo! Number three. Anyway, Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon on commentary. Mm. I think, for me, I think this was Jerry Lawler's peak of commentary because I noticed this in a few matches. First of all, he's a, he's a big evil monstrous heel. But it's not the Attitude Era and it's PG. So he doesn't go to the race stuff and he doesn't yeah. go for the, he, the he creepy uh, stuff. He won't st- uh, stuff about uh, Helen Hart though. Helen he and hates Stu. Helen, doesn't he? Good Lord, I think they're second only to the Blue Meanie on his enemies. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he always, in any match with Brett, always went on with about Stu. It was just his thing. I thought it was hysterically funny. I actually thought that Jerry Lawler was abysmal here. I really? thought he was far worse than the Attitude Era. I fucking hated his commentary in this match. Attitude Era, yeah, he says stuff that's over the line and he's annoying, but at least his commentary is good. At least, but in this... I didn't notice him commentate on the match once. He was just talking about any shit that popped into his head. Oh, that was that, that was the style at the time, I suppose. Really, I mean, rambling. They, you know, it was more about stories. It wasn't until like Jim Ross was like the permanent kind of lead announcer that they were going for that play by more play focused stuff. on play by play. Know, now yeah. it's kind of like Vince likes stories. Vince is on commentary. They tell stories. That's yeah. that is the way it is. But I don't think it takes away from the match. Opening of this contest, they lock up. No one wins the lockup. They just break. And then Owen turns and goes, Whoa! <laughs> and Vince McMahon is incensed. He's like, is that some kind of victory for him there? And it's recurring. <laughs> Anytime Owen gets a remote upper hand in these early parts of the match, he's like, yes! I did it! Like, I it's escaped an arm it? drag. Like, he's so full of himself. He, he's such a little man. It's fantastic. Owen also uh, starts to uh, show one of his favourite moves, pulling Brett's hair. Oh, he, which oh, I yeah. mean, he Going back to the ch- childhood sort yeah, of definitely. rivalry and they, just hair pulling. They wrestle like brothers. It's a weird thing to yeah. say, but it's like, because they start the match and the whole gimmick is that Owen wants to prove he's better than Brett and Brett doesn't want, he doesn't, he keeps saying, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to fight my brother. You know, mm. he's really reluctant to do this. So in- instead of like going you know, boom, boom, boom and going hell for leather, they have these like uh, series of contests at the start where it's like mat wrestling and amazing technical sequences. Uh, but uh, it's it's quite outstanding. But then you just get the moment where you just get boom, you get a big slap from Owen. He's just like, you know, fuck this, you know, wrestling stuff, basically. Yeah. Let's fight. like. And I, just, I love that the match has kind of phases like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. It follows a really natural progression that relates to the story. It's really really like you don't see this in every match where yeah, the story actually comes, comes through in the way in they're the fighting in the actual match because yeah I think I used the example of before Triple H Randy Orton you know home invasion you know yeah. attacking wife and children men being thrown through uh through windows and then collar and elbow tie up at the start yeah. you know you, you, I love when it bleeds into the actual match and for me I think this is one of like the best stories that WF has actually ever told in terms of a complete story 
in that there's no one's going to go, oh, it could have been better if they did this or they should have done this or it was it was never cut short. It was really long because mm. this started the Survivor Series beforehand. It didn't end until SummerSlam after. So Vince McMahon and commentary, what did you guys uh, think of this? Oh, God, he's bad. He's absolutely terrible. <laughs> Big back buddy. <laughs> I understand, but obviously he, uh, because Owen's the heel, he wants to get Brett more over. But he's not giving like Owen anything. Like, nah. with, like about three minutes into the match, he he just turns to Jerry and just says, uh, uh, "From what you've seen so far, Brett is definitely the uh, better uh, technical wrestler. Don't you agree, uh, Jerry?" And like I was just thinking, it's like from three first, minutes in, first three minutes in, it's it's very too early to judge. Yeah, because Owen's done a lot more than yeah. Brett has at this yeah. point. So like you're it's sort of Arsenal like how in the Attitude Era Jerry Lawler will make any excuse to support the heels. It's almost like Vince will make any excuse yeah. to support the yeah, faces. Yeah, I, I think it was something that it only really came with Jim Ross, which was you can actually be a much more effective supporter of the good guys by being neutral than yeah. being. No, annoyingly pro good mm. guy because yeah. when you yeah he's he's almost sycophantic how much you should see him with Shawn Michaels in some of these things because he's got a big massive boner on him when he's <laughs> talking oh. about him as well at least with Brett it's not sexual yeah. <laughs> let's, not get, let's not get into that let's not get into that on the Owen Hart tribute as you have podcast to Owen Hart tribute episode 30 minutes in mentioned Vince McMahon having a boner what is going on like? <laughs> Owen takes control and uh, slams Brett into the ring post outside and he hits a sweet belly-to-belly suplex once again. It starts going really back and forth now, uh, but even when, like, because Brett gets worked over quite a lot, but it's always something cool to do with Brett. Even though when he was on defense, he would still, like, get a quick roll-up here, maybe get a quick submission mm-hmm. here and there. So Owen is always, like, it's kind of, even though he's he seems like he's winning in the contest, Brett keeps outmaneuvering him now and then. Kind he of might get say, trapped. You know, I'm the older brother. I'm actually, uh, I, I know everything you know. A really cool moment in this match comes when Owen hits the Tombstone Piledriver and does the diving headbutt. Now, I know he did that in the previous match, but I suppose just understanding a little bit about the politics in WWF, doing a tribute to the Dynamite Kid, who left on possibly the worst terms possible with WWF, and also paying tribute to him by doing one of like their main guys finishing The Undertaker. Yeah. That, for me, in Madison Square Garden, to see Owen and Brett doing that sequence, because that's like, you know... Calgary kind of you know, yeah. Way. It's really cool to see that. It was a, it was a nice uh, a nice touch. I don't know if anyone got in trouble afterwards. Serious balls to do it though. Own attempts to sharpshooter and then Brett reverses his, uh, reverses the sharpshooter, which then Own again himself reverses. And like Vince is, has a great line commentary. He's like, oh, so there is a uh, there is a reversal for that move because I think that was the first time anyone had actually reversed. Oh, really? The, yeah, the sharpshooter was like one of the most like over submissions ever. And the fact that like if you were put in it chances are you were going to, to submit. Mm. Like very few people got out of it successfully. You know, so it was really cool here to see them both reverse each other. And like Jerry's going on commentary going, Oh invented that <laughs> <laughs> No he didn't. Sure he did. Neither of them did. Fucking Sting invented it. <laughs> Brett dies to the outside and then we get the uh him hurting his knee. You know, uh, which is which is interesting because obviously they're playing up to the injury he sustained at the the rumble where Owen kicked his leg out of his leg. Um, <laughs> so Owen locks in the figure four and as he has him in the figure four he actually raises both his arms yeah. and goes, Woo! So funny. Do you think because Owen's so over the top do you think he ever ran in danger of like being too silly and maybe detracting from the match? You know I actually didn't ever feel that But I once. never felt that I, I Not once. That way. Not in any of It's matches. because I think yeah he's maybe straying a little bit into the goofy side of things being a heel like that 
but his technical ability is so you know perfect and justified yeah. that it really just doesn't matter. I don't think you know you can get away I, with I it. I think it adds to it I exactly. Think it adds yeah, to it he's more. doing this big silly heel woo celebrating all the time and everything, but he's actually a killer in the match and he's doing some incredible wrestling. So. I definitely. think you're kind of too busy being in awe of him to actually be bothered by the fact that he's goofy like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. So Brent reverses the figure four and makes it into the ropes and launches a little bit of a comeback here. He throws Owen into the turnbuckle and Owen just kind of puts up his hands and slams right into it and bounces back. Good God, what a shot. Mm. He yeah. fucking bounced off that the like whiplash. a And then we get a superplex, <laughs> is the only way to describe it, and a hellacious superplex off the top rope. Sharpshooter attempt from Owen. Brett reverses again, and then we get Ona tangled up in the ropes for the length of the match. I usually get bored. If a match is longer than 15 minutes, mm. it, it legitimately, it takes, the match has to be something special for it to, to hold my Oh, interest. yeah, inevitably you will get bored at some point. And, like, you know, this match is over half an hour long, and uh, I was still, like, into it. You know, we get into the corner then, and Brett attempts his victory roll, which Own reverses. And then out of nowhere, the, the win that no one expected, Own beats his bigger brother cleanly in Madison Square Garden at WrestleMania. With a roll-up. With a roll-up. Yeah. yeah. And immediately Vince is like, I don't think Brett had his heart wasn't in this match. Yeah, making and excuses. Brett's just sitting there with this like look of... That was one thing Brett did really well. Is that if he lost a match, he looks so fucking dejected. Yeah, he looks Absolutely. really deflated, doesn't he? He looks deflated the fact that he had to fight his brother, and even more deflated that he actually lost. And by a roll-up as well. The most shot person is Owen. Yeah. He, he immediately <laughs> turns to ref. He's like, are you sure? Was that, was that free? It's, ama- it's amazing, though, because, I mean, you know, Owen, by the time we, we start the Out of Sierra podcast where we start, Owen really doesn't get big wins he's more of the kind of you know the the technical guy to make he, other people look mm. good he was, he was firmly like stuck in the mid card yeah, yeah but like Brett was the fucking man at this point there was no one close to, to Brett because I mean Shawn Michaels was only at the intercontinental scene at this point Brett was firmly the guy like yeah. you know Brett and Yoko were the guys who were the champion for the longest during this time so Brett was obviously the the hero and for Owen to beat him it really legitified him I think um, for, for years to come and like even when Owen was in like you know the mid card or whatever, people took him seriously because I think of he beat Brett. He beat Brett. Yeah, amazing at WrestleMania. I never saw it coming. I know it was a roll up victory, but I never saw that ending. Yeah, like, yeah. And, but it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't as if like Brett made a mistake. It oh, was no, Owen no. actually Owen beat, him. beat him. What did you guys think of this match? I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think it's one of the the best the best matches um, either man had to be honest. Um, a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people don't like Bret Hart, you know, and some people write him saying his matches are too formulaic, mm. you know, that his comeback was always the same, followed the same routine, same blueprint, his matches. Well, the thing is, I don't know enough about Bret to actually have that criticism of him, so as a guy that's only seen a very small handful of Bret matches, yes. I thought this was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I thought this was absolutely I think, uh, I've watched a qu- quite a few Bret matches, and I think one of the strengths of this match is that he breaks from the mould and breaks from the formula. Right. In, in that it's making it special, in the fact that it's not just an opponent, it's his brother, so he wrestles mm. a different style. I just yeah, I love the the story and seeing the younger brother beat the bigger brother. It's it's awesome. And during a time when bad guys rarely won cleanly over good guys, mm. it's a nice fucking you know nice breath of fresh air. Kudos to Brett for jumping to his own brother uh, <laughs> on uh, on WrestleMania. Brett, of course, would go on to win the championship later that night, defeating Yokozuna. 
And Owen would go on that summer to be involved in the King of the Ring, which is our next match. This is a nice little gem which people plucked for us. Quite a few people mentioned this one. Owen Hart versus the 123 Kids from the semi-finals of the 1994 King of the Ring. So this happened immediately after uh, WrestleMania 10. And this is four years prior to when they would meet up again at the King of the Ring 98. Isn't that so it's weird? It's so cool, yeah. These guys, four years later, Xbox obviously being in his Xbox gimmick rather than 123 Kid. They'd have another match in the King of the Ring tournament, which yeah. I thought was fucking cool. You know what I find really weird? That the one, two, three kid is X Pac. After all these yeah. years, yeah. When, when when he cut, came out, I who know is this like, guy? It's like, like, it's so... not Sean Waltman. Yeah, mm. it's like he goes away to WCW for like a year or two or whatever, comes back and he's just this completely different guy. Yeah. Like, he looks like he's a teenager here, and he's like, yeah. he when he comes back kid. four years later, he is a grown man. He yeah. is a kid here. That's why the name fits him. He is just literally some little chump kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that was. I mean, he he was an absolute uh, amazing success story. One of the few like kind of real shining examples of like good stuff that was done during the new generation. I think definitely the one, two, three kid. Like the reason why he rose to prominence is because he was just you know the kid. He was the little jobber or whatever. Scott Hall let him beat him on TV. Yeah. One two three. He's the one two three kid, and people just love him. Like you know, first time I think the WWF really just took a chance on a really small guy. Mm. I didn't intensely pick this match for this reason. However, Art Donovan. Yeah. Is on oh, how much does this guy weigh? Yeah. Oh, how much does that guy weigh? Five hundred pounds plus, Art. Oh, that's not fair. The only guy, the only fellow only weighs half the amount. Oh, How much does this guy weigh? Now, this what does Nugget mean? <laughs> Tweet Art Donovan if you know. <laughs> um, now, this is obviously later in the pay-per-view after Art had been clearly told in the headsets to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because he peeps up around three or four times. But it bears worth mentioning. The 1994 King of the Ring was ruined. <laughs> 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 was ruined by Art Donovan. Who in the who in the blue hell is this Jim? Who is he? Is he just from, from baseball? Isn't Baltimore. I think he's a. Oh jeez. Praise yourselves. The tweets correcting American sports are coming. <laughs> I believe he was a NFL legend. That's all I'm right. saying. That's okay. broad enough. Leave it there. That's fine. He did great things with a football. That's all I know. <laughs> he did terrible things on commentary. Oh, good God in heaven. And uh, rounding off the commentary team, we've Gorilla Monsoon and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, man, what a so team. Surreal. What a team we what have here. What an odd group. Yep. Um, thankfully, they can't detract from this uh, from this match. Um, the whole story of this is that X-Pac... Uh, I'm going to say Xbox all the time now, aren't I? Can't help it. That's worse who he than, is. Worse than Jim Ross when he kept calling uh, Cactus Jack Mankind. And <laughs> but anyway, uh, the one, two, three kid had like gotten through the, the first round of the King of the Ring, but kind of just barely, and he had the shit knocked out of him. So there was a question over whether or not he was even going to make it through. And Owen, of course, was, was tearing through the competition. So the kid finally comes out you know, and he's looking like he's in a bit rough shape and before he can even make it to the ring Owen gives him a baseball slide and dies right yep. on top of him straight to it I love that vicious like healing like, he has this kind of confidence in this match which he didn't have really at the Wrestlemania match mm. which yeah. is hey I've beaten my brother you know I can I, beat anyone I can do anything he's so like he's even more of a heel here because he's sure of himself now. Yeah, he knows he's got he the can, confidence. W- within, I think, 30 seconds, uh, Owen, uh, there's a pin attempt on 1 2 3 kick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1 2 3 kick uh, kicks out with Unbenot Donovan just goes, That kid is a tough guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just made me laugh Look so much. Look at these much. honks playing in the ring. <laughs> the sad thing about this was that 
one, two, three kid wasn't large enough for Art to be curious about his weight. How much he weighs, you yeah. know, because he was really into like the likes of Razor and Mabel. Kind of yeah. going, look at them. I really want to know how much they weigh. Yeah. But obviously, he, he did it about Owen because he asked him how much does this fella weigh. Fella, this fella. How much does this fella weigh, Rui? Here, um, <laughs> we get an amazing counter chain by these two, which I think we go on and actually see in four years later, King of the Rings. Yeah, had the flip backs, the quick, quick style. Macho Man with one of my favorite commentary goofs of all time coming up here. Give the Rocket Owen Hart a little bit of credit himself. Look at him, he's hanging with him. Not a little bit of credit, a lot of little bit of credit. Not a little bit of credit, a lot of little bit of credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the commentary is fucking yeah. awful. <laughs> I can't understand much that uh, he's saying. Macho Man, I love Macho Man to death. Same. Don't get me wrong, Macho Man promos I adore but. so much. But as a commentator, he stinks. I, I kept getting confused because he kept he kept calling uh, Owen Hart the Rocket. Yeah. But he doesn't pronounce the et. So he just kept rock. saying the Rock Owen Hart. Yeah, like, the rock. The, 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 the rock's not here. It's, like, it's what, uh, what is the Rocket gimmick all about? It's just, just it's what he was called like. You yeah. know, he was the Rocket. He was going straight to the top. Oh, kind of. I see. That was his old gimmick when he was still a face. So mm. he was still calling himself the Rocket. You know, once he wins the King of the Ring, he became the King of Hearts, and then the, black, the heart. black Heart later on. So it was always plays off stuff like that. Own counters a spin kick into a sick German suplex. Oh man, that was so yeah. outstanding, wasn't it? Really amazing. And then Kid goes for a Hurricane Rana but gets power bombed right into a sharpshooter then by Own Hart. Kid gives up and Own wins. A really dominant victory for Own, who of course would go on to win the King of the Ring. Short match, but really amazing. Yeah. I have to say, this kind of fast style was absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, it you know, it's one of the best examples of a short but sweet match I've ever seen because like, there was no slowdown whatsoever. It was mm. the perfect length that they could go constantly throughout the entire thing with constant reversals, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Really amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Almost immediately after uh, One to Three Kid taps out, Randy Savage says, "I'm officially retiring from the sport as we speak." Yeah. yeah. Well, why do you say that? I don't know because he's not. Yeah, <laughs> he's, I'll tell uh, you now. He didn't. That, that's clearly a line he was fed. By Vince McMahon, who did not want Randy wrestling anymore, yeah. like Randy really wanted to wrestle at the time, like, but uh, Vince was. Why put him on the commentary desk? <laughs> That's knows? a story for another podcast. That's a story for another podcast, indeed. Anyway, coming up next, well, this was for a long time my favorite match of all time. Uh, marking out continues right here. It is the WWF Championship on the line after Owen won the King of the Ring and Bret had successfully retained his title. It was set for SummerSlam 1994, brother versus brother, the big rematch. And they will be having it inside a steel cage. This match got five stars from Dave Meltzer and is widely considered one of, if not the greatest cage match of all time. It is absolutely mind-blowing what these guys do in this match. Really amazing. Completely agree with you. It is, I think, possibly the, the greatest cage match I've ever seen. Agreed again. I don't think I've seen a cage match better than this. I usually don't like cage matches. No, they're normally quite dull, I find. Yeah, and the one of the main strengths of this cage match is that they say at the start, you can only win by escaping over the top or through the door. Like so, it should be. Yeah, because, I mean, most of the time, you just kind of, guys work a regular match, maybe go now and then to escape. But mm. nine times out of ten, unless it's a chicken shit heel, Cage matches these days, they just end usually in a in a pin. You know, it's yeah. so pointless. Why have it in the mat in the cage in the first place? Not gonna lie, it's forty minutes of action. This one, very hard to keep up mm. with. So I thought instead of just going through it blow by blow, we just give you some kind of potted highlights. Yeah. Because I don't think I can do this match justice. There is a lot of repetition in this match. A lot of spots going to go over and over again. Mm. I feel like going through it regularly, it might seem like the matches. Dull. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it's, true. It, it's repetitive, but not in a bad way in the slightest. It's repetitive in a good tension-building kind of way. The, the main thing they do in this match, which is no one had done it before, and it 
beggar's belief that no one has done it since because it's such an obvious thing to do in a cage is they try to escape yeah. like yes, straight away continually as well because it's not they in their minds are kind of like you know I don't have to fucking work over a guy in 20 minutes and he'll hit my finisher. I can just leave now. It's like, the door's there. Get yeah. out, go. The championship is on the line, yeah. you know? So then you've got Owen, like, fucking hurling himself at the door. And then Brett, like, scrambling to grab him. They do this over and over. But the drama is so... Because the you know, referee opens the door, it creaks open. And, like, he's there barely getting his yeah, fingertips so out. so close. There's a moment where, where the uh, the referee opens the door, closes it again. Then as soon as he's put the thing back on, he's opening it again. Yeah. Yeah. It happens about six times in a it's row. It's really, and closing. really... Really cool. It's one of the few times where it's like kind of it makes sense to have a referee open the door for you because usually the referee is kind of like, uh, you want to go out? No, okay, you know. Uh, but here it's like kind of open, close. It's really, really cool. The psychology in this match is amazing because you know Owen knows he's quick, mm. so he's yeah. obviously going to try and escape. Like it's it's really interesting. There's I- a couple of moments in this match that really made me laugh. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Owen throws Brett against the turnbuckle and goes up as if he's going to do the uh, the ten punch spot. Uh, he doesn't. He just looks into the camera dead on and says, You see, Brett, he means nothing to me! And <laughs> <laughs> just starts laughing. Like. Oh my God. What a villain. What an. Yeah, Owen had like. Insane. If actually possible, Owen had gotten like much more villainous over the course of the mm. summer. After winning King of the Ring, uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, he brought him in kind of as his heavy and. Or basically, Brett was implying that Owen was trying to drive a schism in the family because you know Brett was, and you know they're, they're brothers-in-law with with Jim Neidhart. Yeah. So you know in this match, you've, the whole family are at ringside. Uh, Bro- British Bulldog that, is yeah. there. You know the Helen Stew are there. You know the sisters are there. You keep getting throughout the match picture in picture of like the family members looking concerned or what have mm. you. Apart from Helen, who's always sat there smiling and clapping like, <laughs> "Yeah, my sons are." Fighting. And then, then you got like you know uh, Jerry Lauder going, "Huh, Stu Hart's so old, he's gonna die soon." <laughs> <laughs> And then you'll cut to Stu Hart, just no selling it, just like, hmm. Yeah, yeah looking bored. There's, there's generally a moment where they cut to Stu and Helen, and, and Helen, it's the, the one moment she doesn't look happy, she's she's looking slightly worried, and then you can just see, see Stu, he's doing that, you know, that thing that uh, you guys like, that heels do when they do that little grumble, like, oh, oh yeah. He's doing that. No, 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 he means that, you know, good man. Oh, he, chundering, he's, yeah. He's, he's, Son of a bitch. He's doing that as if they're saying, hit the fucker, hit the fucker. <laughs> like, you beat the shit He's watching his son. sons fight each other, but he wants it to happen. Oh, God, the urge <laughs> to say something weird right now. Now it's so fucking strong. Just dial it back in. Dial it back in. We're having a great time talking having about a great episode. It's a beautiful match. Let's not ruin it. There are moments in wrestling when you look at two guys and kind of go, "All right, these guys clearly just know what the other guy is going to do." Like mm. they, they aren't. There's no one calling spots here. There's no one kind of laying out a plan. They're just doing it. Just chemistry. Absolutely. I think it's you rarely get that with guys. It's they're brothers. You know, they they've yeah. been doing it since they were kids. Must be freaky for them playing jungle gym as kids kind of and yeah. now they're, now they're yeah. wrestling in front of thousands of people this match is actually possibly the first time I realised just how great Owen selling is as well yeah. it's obvious that he's amazing at executing moves but actually being on the receiving end and having to sell something he knows how to fucking do it he makes yeah. it look painful he makes it look like he's in agony uh, we get two outstanding spots towards the end of this match First of all, it looks like Owen is attempting to escape and Brett goes up and you're thinking, oh, Brett's going to yank him down as he's done kind of a hundred times in this match already. But we get a superplex off the top of the cage onto the old-timey fucking WWF mats. One of the most... It's Mm. absolutely spectacular. The force they go off with is just mind-blowing. It really, like, it's one of these spots that kind of, you know, guys go off the top of the cage all the time, you know, since. Mm. But uh, for whatever reason, it's just... I think it's just good build in the match. There's, There's minimal... Like, they don't do a lot of big, crazy, flashy moves. It's all kind of... 
intense kind of stopping the other guy and Scrappy, all of a sudden yeah. this one move comes out of nowhere and the crowd goes absolutely insane you got to put it in perspective as well you know it's kind of made this comparison already but this is the main event you have here on in WWF over in WCW at the time you got Hogan and Flair flopping around you know sucking, yeah. sucking wind and getting blown up after five Too minutes and this is like again this is the, the I, I don't know, usually don't have a lot of good things to say about the new generation I think it is a very noticeable down period I think it was the fact that this kind of shifting in style away from the theatrics and the, the posing and the pomp and circumstance to actual just fucking actual work in the ring you know and mm. kind of setting a precedent that you know if you want to be a top guy you got to fucking work hard I think that was pretty cool and that's one of the the groundings of the Attitude Era, I really think, came came from this kind of uh, these kind of matches. So we get the sharpshooter from Owen now at the end of the match. Craig go absolutely apeshit. He screams, "I'm gonna break his leg!" <laughs> <laughs> the intensity, <laughs> so intense. It's like he doesn't he doesn't break up the words either. He just it's one long word. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh, Brett reverses it. The finish comes when Owen's uh, attempting and. Uh, his leg gets hooked when he's escaping and he's yeah. just left there dangling from dangling. the cage. I love that. Like, they've done it a few times in kind of cage matches where guys are just kind of like trapped or whatever. Yeah. I just love that where a guy is like kind of helpless to watch himself. And he has to watch beat. his opponent win. Yeah. And like, it's a fitting end to this rivalry that Owen like watches his, you know, he bet his brother and all of his frustrations. He finally gets his chance and his brother wins and his brother wins in arguably kind of a fluky way. And that's yeah. kind of. Own as a heel, it fuels them for, for so long. More frustration. Time. Yeah, it's good to give a character actual kind of... It's supposed to go, I'm a bad guy, boo me. Like, these guys got legitimate reasons to be a dick now. And you can kind of... You can see why he thinks he's justified in being a dick. It's totally. Amazing. Absolutely fantastic match. Um, I should say, like, because obviously this is strange. We're predominantly an Attitude Era podcast. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you've got mostly interests in the Attitude Era and possibly not the Hogan Era and the New Generation. Which is the same for me. I know very little about Bret Hart, uh, practically nothing about this era of time, so I didn't think I'd really be into this. But this might actually be in my top five matches of all time now. It's I, incredible. I it and what I love about so it as well good. is that there's so few gimmicks. It's not as if they kind of go, oh yeah, we're going to you know use a chain or a po- you know do something yeah. crazy or the just rings and caps. It's just two guys kind of going, hey, what's something that we can do that no one's ever done before? And the idea, the concept of the match really is kind of, let's just keep trying to escape. And yeah. they just took it from there and, and they it makes so much sense and it starts out as like you 40 know, minutes in length and it's not a dull moment and that's really saying something like yeah and it's brilliant so that you nowadays. get these yeah. two technically minded wrestlers and then within the first five or six minutes it's turned into a tooth and nail fight yeah. where they're constantly scrapping at each other and you know it is like watching brothers fight it's and really cool yeah the constant picture in picture shots of the members of the family in the crowd and the constant reminder that these two are brothers and there's so much on the line it's Honestly, it's the perfect storm of everything that should be right in wrestling. And again, that's why I think that this whole feud is one of the best stories they ever told. Because, you know, if they did it these days, they would have hotshot the angle and you know, they kind of bring in the family early. It's like the fact that they slowly build it. It's like Owen has a falling out with Brett and then Owen, you know, gets bitter and then Owen gets to win. And then they bring in the family. Yeah. And it's just like, there's a way to actually keep a feud going without like it seeing, you know, redundant. Uh, I'd say, you know, it was sad to see the feud end at the time, but you can't argue what a big star this made for Owen. Because, yeah. I mean, the year previous at SummerSlam 1993, I looked it up, Owen had a dark match with Barry Horowitz, the uh, Jewish jobber, the perennial loser who pat himself on the back. So to go from there what a difference to a main year, eventing yeah. in a yeah. year, that's that's quite outstanding. It goes to show as well, you know, how, how great uh, Owen is and how good Brett is. I mean, like, with these three matches we've just talked about, one was uh, a little over five minutes. One was twenty-five minutes. One was forty minutes. 
you could have stopped any of these matches at 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, all the way up to 40 minutes. And if they, those matches had ended after those 5 minute intervals, mm. you would say, that was an amazing match. That's true, yeah, you yeah. would and have they, done. And, yeah. and they continued that and they did it twice. Both matches, completely different styles yeah. and different lengths, but still... Consistently brilliant. Consistently brilliant throughout. Mm. S- simple story told well, like both in terms of the actual overall arching storyline and the stories in, in the match. Even Absolutely if you're fantastic. just an Attitude Era fan, for the love of God, check out this match. WWE posted on their official page. Yes, it's on their official YouTube uh, channel. So you can go check it out there. Definitely. Final match in or countdown. At some point as well, we weren't saying these are in any order. These nah, are the no, five just... best of all time. These are just five matches which we thought kind of give a nice snapshot yeah. uh, of Owen's career. Uh, it's the Calgary Stampede 10 man tag team match. The Hart Foundation, which is Brett, Owen, Davy Boy Smith, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and the loose cannon Brian Pillman versus the. I, I, I've, I've labeled them Team USA. I don't think that's yeah. the correct uh, adage for them. Five dudes. Team WWF. But <laughs> they all are in WWF. Once your Hart Foundation, your Hart Foundation for life, as they say. <laughs> but uh, it is Ken Shamrock, Goldust, the Road Warriors and Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Hart Foundation had formed after WrestleMania 13 where Brett had you know, had come back and was being booed and they were cheering the likes of Steve Austin. It was the beginning of the Attitude Era and mm. it was really awesome storyline that Brett was kind of like, what's wrong with these fans? Like, you know, I'm, I'm the hero. Like, I'm yeah. the, and there's nothing better than the guy who's like, why, I don't understand why you're building What have me. I done? And what happened as a result of this was that Brett was like kind of, right, you know, I, I can't trust the fans anymore. I've got to go to the people I trust. So he formed the, the Hart Foundation with, with members of his family and his in-laws and people who he, who he claimed he could trust. I think they did Raw in Calgary or whatever and Brett's cutting a promo. Canadian flags everywhere. There's a good... 10 second shot of this amazing mural a fan has made which is all five members of the Hart Foundation pissing on the American flag with big smiles <laughs> a lot of work went into it now Pillman Neidhart and Davy Boy are not Canadian nope and it's a bit of a leap to assume well you know you can argue the evil foreigner with, with Davy Boy I suppose but Pillman and Neidhart Pillman and Neidhart are as American as fucking pie like pissing I mean, on their own flag pissing on the flag evil invader Brian Pillman from Cincinnati Ohio <laughs> it, it created this unique dynamic which you never had before and never had since which is guys being beloved by certain parts of the world and yeah. they really were like citing a race war some could argue it was suppose, yeah. it was quite you know guys getting death threats when they went to Canada and vice versa when you know the, the hearts were in in America so uh, we started off with um, Goldust already in the ring and uh, Red Ramrock comes out yeah uh, and he's being announced by Howard Finkel in a 10 gallon hat yeah, that is amazing Cowboy hat. It's yes. Canada, mate. You're going to have Canada. a root, root and toot and good time in Canada. Cal- Calgary Stampede was kind of like a rodeo type deal, so you got guys wearing their cowboy hats and things Ca- of that Calgary nature. Calgary known for that? For stampede is like, it's just a big thing that they do. Like, so you get guys in. It's, I know it's weird to see dudes in cowboy hats in Canada. You don't yeah. equate those two. Yeah. I have it on good authority that it's not a weird thing. So. Very well. Road Warriors come out, and then we get Stone Cold Steve Austin. Good lord, is it strange seeing the man booed yeah. so heavily? Mm. It's so, so weird. Red Resolutely booed. It's just over a year, and this guy's you know the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah, yeah. But and I mean, in America, booed, yeah. Like. But in America, he already is the biggest thing on the planet. You, you could argue this one. This was post WrestleMania 13, where Austin arguably cemented himself as being like just the next guy, the next guy. Like so, to see him booed in any capacity is just is just very strange. Uh, we get really uh, massive puff for each of the Heart Foundation to come out. Mm. Uh, Pillman comes out soaking in all the. Uh, 
all the adulation from the fans. Uh, Owen comes out. He's got his two slammies. And a trendy new haircut. I know. Owen Hart with his slammies is possibly one of my favourite just weird little goofs ever. Owen Hart had won a Slammy Award legitimately before. Mm -hmm. You know, the slammies are the kayfabe awards ceremony that they have. At the Slammy Awards before WrestleMania 13, Owen was scheduled (laughs) to present... Present, not accept, present the award for best bow tie, which is... <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not running down Slammy Awards and saying they're not prestigious, but the best bow tie Slammy Awards, <laughs> fuck me, it's not worth the aluminum it's made out of. That's just like <laughs> the lowest of the low. Owen comes out with the award and just throws away the card and is like, yes, I did it, I'm a winner! What's this? What's the matter? Owen Hart, Slammy Award winner. Well, I did it again! And you know what? No, no. You're presenting this. You gotta be thankful, my man. Owen spent a whole year of his life promoting this crummy show. I did it again! Yes! And I have nobody to thank. Once again, I did it all by my sweet little self. Two-time Slammy Award winner! I knew it! I'm a winner! I did it! Woo! Hey, Bulldog, you may have two titles, but you don't have two Slammies. Yeah. And speaking of that, Vader and Mankind, this Sunday at WrestleMania, you're going to be in for the fight of your life because the Bulldog and myself, we haven't been better ever. And we're going to beat you and Mankind. And you know what, Vader? You don't have two Slammies like I do because you're losers and we're winners. Me and my Slammies. <laughs> Cutting his promo Outstanding like, He's like British Bulldog You may have two titles But I've got two slammies <laughs> <laughs> Owen came out then With the two slammies everywhere Had the The singlet printed up With the two slammy awards <laughs> Like It's just so Best <laughs> It's so own heart He's like that He's got tights made For a shit award He didn't Wasn't even nominated <laughs> Yeah I, I I adore it. Fantastic. I was um I was really interested by this match because I've seen I've not seen three of these men wrestle. Oh, ever. so yeah. I mean, I've I think Adam had mentioned this is the first time you'd seen Brian Pillman. Yes, obviously. it was. This what were the, the other two? Uh, Jim Neidhart and uh, British Bulldog. Oh, never, right. Never yeah. seen matches with, with those three men. We will come across the British Bulldog in a more tragic form later on in the timeline of the uh, of the Attitude Era. But uh, Pillman, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Obviously, the Brian Pillman here is not the Brian Pillman that kind of captured everyone's imagination he was flying Brian Pillman in WCW and mm. Stampede Wrestling he innovated a lot of stuff like springboard stuff he was one of the first uh, westerners to to really do that kind of uh, style like flying off the ropes and whatnot. pulling a gun on another wrestler yeah, yeah I mean then of course he developed <laughs> the loo- yeah, he's, he's the only person who's done that yeah that's he true. developed the uh, loose cannon persona originally in WCW and it went over into ECW and then uh, WWF which is just this kind of unpredictable like you know working the guys you know it was absolutely outstanding you could you could have a whole podcast dedicated to the antics of Pillman alone the Pillman here though is Brian Pillman who signed to WWF and then very shortly thereafter he was involved in a really bad car accident which you know affected him obviously physically but obviously mentally to a great extent as well he fused his ankle to his leg so he could keep wrestling he was told not to wrestle anymore obviously Brian Pillman High flying Brian, you know that's yeah. what people wanted. Uh, that's what he thought he wanted. He wanted to be a main event heel. That was his thing, you know. He wanted to be flying Brian still, uh, but he couldn't do it. You know, he you could see him in this match. He's the few moments he's in. He is struggling. He's struggling, and it's it's sad to see a, a guy because he was his his persona 
had kind of reached this amazing point, but he obviously just the in-ring ability, he just couldn't wrestle anymore. Mm. So, and he didn't want to be an announcer, he didn't want to be a, a manager, he wanted to be a wrestler. So it's kind of that's sad. It's sad to see to see you know Brian kind of reach a creative peak, but not be able to uh, match it up with in the ring. That said, I was still impressed with him. His heel antics were yeah. very funny. Oh, Brian! He, made, he picked up Ken Shamrock's hand and tapped it on the mat, and when he tapped out, and then slapped him in the face. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So yeah, getting into the match here, the crowd are fucking insane what an all-stars match yeah uh me- mentioning area ken shamrock in early on with uh, brian pillman uh ken <laughs> ken shamrock one of his first actual matches here at wwf uh green ken shamrock yeah is a scary ken shamrock not he, very safe when he comes in he immediately fucks up he comes in he's like stop <laughs> hammer time and he's like just, what do we do like you know just freezes just stops like a cat in the headlights just yeah. looking scared. It, it happens uh, quite a few times uh, Owen gets tagged in working with Goldust immediately he's the first man who gets he gets a chance he gets own chance he's so beloved like it's like a, the, the city really like Calgary is like that man's home it's, re- it's really weird when you actually get to see a crowd like kind of grow up with someone kind of like you know it is a homecoming these guys most people in the crowd would know Owen from you know his days in the 80s yeah. watching him at the local events and stuff like that so it's before really cool. he was cool Owen hits the sharpshooter on Hawk and Animal runs in to break it up <laughs> good lord the crowd do not like the Legion of Doom no they do not um, and the Legion of Doom actually quite Legion of Doom and Austin do actually play up to the the fact that they're being booed I like that I, I like you yeah know, I like that they don't ignore the crowd and they actually take part in the whole heel bit uh the heel antics. The Hart Foundation, despite the fact that they're being, you know, treated as heroes, still work like quite a healer style at times. All five of them work over Goldust in the uh, in the corner. Owen hits a top rope drop kick and then kips up, which is great because Owen obviously working as a heel for so long and a coward, he's not really allowed to do his flashy stuff that mm. we're used to. To see him mm. do that and then nip up, which is you know that's what Shawn Michaels does. How could yeah. Owen kip up? But Owen is perfectly capable of uh, of doing that and then some. But uh, he gets uh, resolutely killed by Animal as he receives the Doomsday device. Gets the yeah. dick knocked out of him. All ten men run into the ring and it absolutely completely breaks down. It's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, Owen goes after... Uh, sorry, Austin goes after Owen. And then Bruce Hart attacks. Yeah. Bruce Hart with his with his sunglasses and his stupid haircut. He's an absolute jacket. dickhead. He looks like it. He's one of those universally panned men in, in the business. He's a charlatan apparently. I'm not surprised. Uh, really like... A lot of the hearts, like, it's easy to kind of... We don't want to get into a big thing about the Hart family, but they're not all nice guys. Let's mm. just let's just leave it at that, I suppose. Owen is taken to the back after receiving this, you know, big beatdown, and it's kind of, like, sad to see, oh, it's Owen's big night, you know, and he's get taken yeah. away, and the crowd are, like, noticeably upset by this uh, development. Austin gets uh, worked over by the uh, Hart Foundation, <laughs> yeah. and then Team WWF comes, <laughs> comes to um, help him, and there's a moment, I don't know if you guys saw it, Shamrock just runs over and just punches Brett. Oh yes! Yeah. Like, why would you do that, like, kid? <laughs> like, he doesn't even. It's not like a fake punch that we normally get. He li- properly punches Brett in the face. There was a moment earlier on as well where he was in with with Neidhart and he was meant to like go for the kick he went for. Oh god, yeah, it was hideous. Oh man, no. Yeah, they they put uh, they put Ken with Vader shortly after yeah, this but, kind like, of simmer him down. down but, but, uh, you can't just run across the ring and punch Brett Hart if in there's the face. One, if there's one man in the match, you shouldn't do that to. It's like, it's Brett. He's the fucking man. Like, yeah. you don't do that. And who are you as well? You're in brand ca- new. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so wrong of him. Back to living in cars with you. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the mean streets with you. Uh, Austin pances and then stuns Brian Pillman, which is cool. Obviously, these two have a lot of history as the... Uh, 
Hollywood Blondes and WCW. Brett goes viciously after Austin, like, and uh, it's cool that even though Brett is, as he said, he's a he's a hero here, obviously in Calgary, but he hasn't forgotten WrestleMania 13. He's he goes after Austin quite viciously, attacking the leg with a uh, with a fire extinguisher. So Austin actually. ends up being taken to the back and mm. the crowd are you know, loving this obviously and Brett and Anvil actually bust out a few of the old Heart Foundation tag moves from the 80s which is awesome to see what follows is it's down to 4 on 4 and we just get like it's just really great pace the whole match it's helped greatly by the crowd mm. but uh, I think each guy individually is just getting a chance to shine you know which is, which is nice to it's see it's the diversity of the teams I think you've got a lot of different styles going on here and you know each team has sort of like oh uh, Pillman would work well against Goldust, or exactly, you know, they yeah. match up really well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of you know, in, you know, it's a great thing with, with any great factions like this when there's a lot of interplay with all the different storylines and stuff mm. like that, which is interesting. So Austin finally returns to a massive boovation from the crowd, <laughs> and uh, Brett and Austin just start going at it. And it's awesome to see the kind of the two kind of captains of the team going at it again. Shades of of WrestleMania 13. This this really amazing, vicious kind of sequence. Uh, Austin uses the sharpshooter on Bret Hart and. Well, there's one thing about stealing a man's move, but stealing a man's move in his hometown, that's, yeah. that's chicane right there. There's, Vince doesn't know what to think at all when he's doing his commentary. He, he can't decide if the yeah, because he, he's like, oh, there's a partisan crowd, the, the yeah. hearts are evil, but then he's kind of like, you he, know. He has a, a great moment where he's like, he probably can't understand why the heels are getting cheered, even though it's it's clearly it's because they're the hometown heroes. Yeah. But he, uh, the term he uses, patriotism gone awry, which he said, I really enjoyed. He said at one point that they were a nationalistic group. While we're talking about the commentary, this is like the only opportunity we'll have to discuss this kind of commentary. Vince man, every move that is performed, that'll do it right there! <laughs> Clothesline, it's over. Either of you guys notice how much uh, Vince McMahon says, the kisser? Yeah! Oh, he got him right in the kisser there! Just always the kisser. And the bread and basket is another one. Yeah, he, 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 it's he, so, that maneuver right there. It's so, like, it's so beautifully innocent. Like, I can't help but be the enamored kisser. by it. Yeah, the, yeah, it's like, oh, the kisser and bread basket. It's like he's commentating to children. It's so nice. It's not as cute, though, when you think Vince probably wants to kiss everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I would like to kiss him. <laughs> so, uh, Austin's got bread in the sharpshooter. And then Owen comes back with a big hero's return. It's absolutely fantastic. And then Austin, in the greatest act of healness ever, goes after Stu Hart. Just grabs Stu Hart and tries to punch him. And Stu's like, yeah. Ah, fuck off. Austin wakes up with no kidneys and his legs tied behind (laughs) his back a couple of nights later in a basement in Calgary. (laughs) Owen rolls up on Austin, which is amazing. Owen gets the victory, and it's cool that he gets the moment to shine. Great moment, obviously. He's own, the hero, yeah. Yeah, it's it's obviously not an own centric match this one, but it's it's you know it's a big heroic moment. All the fans and the crowd, everyone comes in the ring. It's such a a moment that you don't get in the Attitude Era, and like mm. it's was, it was kind of the last moments you get the real, the last times you get one of these real wholesome feel good moments. And for me, it was almost like a swan song to those innocent days, because you know, with the likes of Rock and Austin and whatnot, and the Attitude Era and Undertaker and whatnot, and you know, being the top guys, you're never going to get this kind of moment where everyone and their kids can come in and be like, "Yeah, we did it, guys." You know, it's it's it it's, really it's is a sweet ending, isn't it? It's a throwback to a simpler time, I yeah. think. Ops, absolutely amazing match, though. Fantastic, outstanding, so good. Ten man tags by nat- their nature should be clusterfucks, but this was yeah. absolutely beautiful. No, that was fantastic because when you have a, a five on five match like this where there's no eliminations or anything. I don't know, I often just find it easy just to turn off and ignore what's going on, but this really held my attention. There's so many different styles going on. There's yeah. a lot of, 
you know, there's there's little stories within the match, like you know, Owen gets sent backstage, but then he comes back out again yeah, to stop yeah, Austin. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. It's awesome. And, and it was also good to see uh, the the LOD being being all right. Yeah, I know, right? Stiff this as is fuck. stiff as fuck. I mean, but, they, but they were doing wrestling, and they were in shape, and they yeah. were all fine. You know, it's uh, you know, the LOD. It was on. It's not as if they were crap from the get go. I mean, they were amazing for a, such a long time, and even a few years prior to where we started, like where we are here, they were, they could still go. I don't know what happened in '98 yeah. that made these guys like bad, yeah. just evaporate. <laughs> I don't know if Paul Ellering got a virus or whatever. Didn't, horses, didn't have his McAfee installed. Horses age naturally and become old horses. So there you go. Well, there you go. Those are our five own heart matches. Thanks everyone for helping us pick these. However, there's more to Owen Hart than just Owen the Wrestler. Owen was equally famous, or infamous for that matter, for his many antics and outside the ring, or sometimes even inside the ring. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for a change! Uh, you know, we mentioned, obviously, there are some funny segments with Owen, such as the Slammy Awards, but Owen's most infamous humorous stuff and his reputation as a Joker came from stuff he did behind the scenes. So, I've compiled a list here of eight own ribs, which I've, you know, found out from various uh, sources. Surprisingly difficult to actually find out, like, good verified info on these ribs, because it's all backstage stuff. Yeah. And it's not as if, you know, Meltzer is going to be reporting on, you know, goofs that owned it. Yeah. So this is more kind of like, you know, it's, you get a little bit here and there from guys, but there's always new ones coming out, which is quite amazing. Okay, number one. I absolutely adore this one. <laughs> Owen and Davy Boy Smith, uh, the British Bulldogs, were, were outstanding partners in crime and would often team up to do a lot of their ribs. This one is absolutely particularly brilliant because it is targeting Lex Luger, who I fucking hate. <laughs> Lex is amazing now, you know, he's so humble and whatnot, but during his run at the top, the man was an absolute wildebeest. Anywho, they had a uh, friend who was an undercover cop. And they arranged with this undercover cop beforehand that they were, you know, they were riding with Lex, own Davy and Lex, and they were driving the car. They had ranged that this cop was going to pull them over. Cop pulls them over, you know, as planned, and is like, kind of, you know, you guys speed blah, blah, walking away, says he's going to let him off the hook, and then Owen at the top of his voice goes, you're a piece of shit, or, you know, something to that effect. And the cop turns around, he's like, what the hell's going on? And Davy's like, that was Lex. <laughs> what? Now this is all part of the plan. The undercover cop Obviously. takes Lex out, wraps him in the cuffs. Oh my god! And Lex is like, no, I'm innocent. Guys, tell him. They're like, we don't know what you're talking about, man. You know, like, <laughs> you know what? Lex is in the back of the fucking uh, oh, back of the cop car. Dicks. Lex is in the back of the cop car. You know, protesting his innocence before they finally let up on the action and kind of you know let them know it's a joke, whatever. But the best thing I like most about this rip is that nearby in a limousine, Vince was watching this and apparently laughing his ass off. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> Vince in a limo there watching, watching Lex get it all put in handcuffs. Ooh, I'd like to kiss him. <laughs> Stop it. He can't say no, he's like, got his hands behind his back. Oh, good lord! Speaking of Lex Luger, and I believe we were, this is a great one which Owen did with Lex a couple of times. Because uh, Lex tagged with the British Bulldog for a little bit, the kind of, you know, Eastern Allied Powers type deal they had going on. Lex was meant, to, his gimmick was that he was strong. You know, even though Lex is all glamour muscles, all buys and tries, as they say. Mm. But, uh, you know, Lex would be in there with Owen. Owen was tagging with Yoko at the time, I believe. And Lex goes to pick up Owen, you know, to, to slam him or whatever. And Owen would just completely fucking 
you know, go dead and like complete dead not weight. Cooperate. Just not cooperating. Lex is like, fuck me, like trying to hold because Owen's two hundred and fifty pounds and you can be yeah. you know, a big bodybuilder or whatever. That's you know, if a man doesn't want to be lifted up, it's he ain't going. Yeah. So he'd get him over and slam him like a fucking, you know, sack of potatoes or whatever, <laughs> looking absolutely awful. Then Lex would tag in Davy Boy Smith and Owen would run up and dick, pick him up, you know, ten presses <laughs> over the head, throw Owen and be like, Whoa Brilliant. Flying around like a bag of feathers, like <laughs> Although apparently Owen and Davy, despite the fact that they were partners in crime, it would not be a beyond each of them to rib each other. Apparently Davy was so scared of Owen as a river that he would actually register in hotels under false names. Jesus. And that's put into perspective, Owen is the man's brother-in-law. <laughs> he's made him that paranoid. And he's that paranoid. Michael Cole's first night on the job. Oh, here we go. We all love Michael Cole. Michael Cole's very first task on his first night of the job was to interview the WWF champion Brett the Hitman Hart mm. seconds before going live to air the cameras are rolling right behind them Davy Boy and Owen Hart poured a litre of Coca-Cola down Michael Cole's pants <laughs> <laughs> so Cole is there kind of going mm. with fizzy balls while <laughs> he's trying to interview the champion on his first night he's got fizzy pop in his breeshty <laughs> and he has to interview Brett shocking turn of events uh, another amazing one here. This is, came from Jim Ross on his blog recently. Jim Ross was head of talent relations at the time and obviously, you know, had a lot of difficulty because he always had to, you know, have those talks with guys and whatnot. Mm. And allegedly there was a guy, one of the guys in the roster who had been, failed a few drug tests and, you know, his drug problems were getting in the way. You know, it was very noticeable they had a problem. So, you know, JR was going to have to have a sit down chat with him basically. Mm. And word spread like wildfire through the locker room that, you know, that this was going to happen or whatever. And people had their opinions on it or whatever. Owen thought the best thing to do would be get a lot of powdered sugar and rub it all over his nose, up his face. And when he saw Jim Ross walking down the corridor, bumped into him and <laughs> eyes closed, covered in white powder. So for the split second, Jim Ross is kind of. Before he realised it was a joke, because apparently Owen laughed immediately, just realising that his own on drugs? How many of these guys? The WF road crew, it was tradition, if they ran through Kansas City, the thing to do would be to go to to Harley Race's house for a big barbecue. It was tradition. That was what was done, respectful to to Harley Race. Otherwise, he'd shirt up with a shotgun and try and kill you or whatever. (laughs) As he did. Anywho, this is brilliant. This is like Owen Hart basically stopping being Owen Hart and becomes Dennis the fucking menace right here. There's a big bu- fucking bucket of chili at, at Harley Race's house, and it's his famous chili, and everyone has to have a bowl to be polite. And Owen decides the fun thing to do would be to put three bottles of super hot sauce in the oh, chili. I mean, cut it really. Was now, there a pie cooling down on the windowsill as well? <laughs> Owen snuck over. Yes! I like the idea of, of Owen like, literally sneaking on tiptoes with his you know, bottle of hot sauce. I'm not saying I want someone to draw Owen with like a little um, slingshot sticking out the back of his singlet, <laughs> but if it was to happen, I wouldn't be upset about I'm it. I'm telling you, dude, uh, Owen's, Owen's best of five series at Mr. Wilson. Um, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Work rate. Unbelievable. Now the real story. I mean, that that's a that's a pretty innocent rib. Everyone got really sick and was like you know, tear draining in their face because everyone had to eat Harley's chili to be nice. Mm. Harley found out that it was Owen because Owen was the only guy who didn't get sick or whatever. And Harley went up to uh, to the show they had on whatever, and you know, you Owen got one over on Harley Race. Not many people can say that they you know they yeah. ribbed that that hard ass. You know, goes over. It says, Owen, I want to shake your hand. Shakes Owen's hand, and while he has Owen in the hand, holds his hand and hit him with a taser. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> now, to quote a movie I, I quite adore, uh, you know, own shenanigans are, you know, pretty, pretty mild. 
but his shenanigans are weird and scary. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just laying out. That's right. the kind of man he is. Okay, here's an absolute fantastic one here. I believe you might have heard this the other night, which is Owen and the Sardines with, uh, with, with, with Brett. Yeah, I'm familiar with this. Owen working with Brett and all the house show circuits and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, one night he thought it was a fun idea. Ran underneath the ring after you know Brett, you know, uh, you know, worked him over. Goes under the ring, had a tin of sardines underneath there. Rubs them in his hands, all under the armpits. Oh. Rubs them all over his body. I want. I one story I've heard is that Owen actually shoved a tin of sardines actually into his cup. God. And then goes into the ring, you know, locks up, gets Brett in a long <laughs> shin lock. And Brett's not going to get out of him easily because Brett's too fucking serious. But Owen's just there with all the fucking sardines. <laughs> and these guys are sweating like buckets. Yeah. And you know, long shin lock. And Owen and, Owen and Brett, if they're resting at the house show, they're going to go 20, 30 fucking yeah. minutes. That's horrible. Evil. Okay, here's another one I absolutely adore. Another house show shenanigan. Owen was using a foreign object when he was working against Edge. Owen, being the heel, of course, had a foreign object in his hand, you know, which he would be taking out. Rap- it was like Nux or something. And yeah. He'd be wrapping Edge with it. And Edge like, was like, oh, you know, foreign object, shit, you know, knocks himself out. Edge is like knocked cold for like, you know, five minutes or whatever. And later in the match, Owen gets him again with this this evil foreign object, this international object, and knocks him out clean. And uh, the ref finally admonishes him and is like, Owen, what are you doing? And Owen had the, the foreign object hid underneath his, his armpit. And Owen's like, I don't know what you're doing, man, or whatever. And referee's like, what are you doing? And uh, Owen lifts up his arms to protest his innocent and the foreign object falls out. It, it was a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Edge lying on the ground realising he's been selling a tissue. Oh, poor old Edge. <laughs> like a tombstone punch. <laughs> <laughs> Owen and... Dude Love worked a series of, of matches, you know, in 1997 or whatever. And Owen uh, Foley wrote about these in his book, you know, at length. The insane things that they would do. They would they would have matches because Austin was at ringside, and their goal was to make Steve Austin laugh. And they could never do it because Austin was so fucking serious, you know. There was one night that Dave Meltzer, you know, the the head honcho at the Wrestling Observer, the man who reviews the matches, he's in the crowd. They find out about this, so they're like, okay, let's have the worst match physically possible <laughs> because one we want Dave Meltzer just to you know to, to see if he can figure out we're doing this and two we're going to make that son of a bitch Steve Austin finally laugh <laughs> things that happened in the match included Owen selling individual soda cup covers like sledgehammer shots <laughs> with Foley hitting it with them and then Foley of course at one point breaking out the most infamous of all his his many weapons the bag of popcorn. <laughs> Working overall with the bag of popcorn. And what finally got Steve Austin to laugh was there was popcorn everywhere in the ring. Owen was knocked out on the ground in this popcorn and Owen started doing snow angels. <laughs> snow hell. angels in the popcorn. Steve Austin completely lost his shit. Couldn't stop laughing. Popcorn instead of thumbtacks. I love that. Brilliant. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. So those are a few. I think, Billy, have you got a couple you missed? Yeah, so two were sent to me. One on Facebook, one on Twitter by the same guy. Uh, the first one, he met Gangrel uh, and asked uh, asked him if he had any Owen stories. And I'll read it verbatim what he sent him on Twitter. He said, uh, I asked him about Owen Hart uh, ribs he may have uh, been subject to. And he told me that Owen had taken his watch out of his bag, hid it in his. Then when he came back from the ring, Owen helped him look for the watch for about an hour <laughs> before sake. he resigned himself that he'd lost the watch. An hour? Next time they're in the building a few months later, <laughs> they put their gear down in the locker room and Gangrel leaves to go to ca- catering. 
He comes back, and while he was gone, Owen put the watch back in his bag and then proceeded to watch it. Watch as Gangrel just sat there puzzled about the watch until he clued him in on like it. There was a ghost in the stadium <laughs> or something. So he, he lost his watch for months. That's a long con. What, that what, what I love about Owen is that, like, for for me, if I would ever to pull a prank on someone, I have to kind of go right. The reward and the satisfaction I will get in the laughs generated versus the work put in. Yeah. Own seemed to have no limit yeah. to the work he would put in for 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 a few yucks. He looked for an hour with Gangrel. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. That's commitment right there. Uh, and then the other one he sent me uh, on Facebook was uh, in the mid '90s during some house show in Detroit during the uh, really lean years of the WWF. The sem- semi-main event of the evening was Brett Owen match. When uh, Owen came out uh, first he, and gets right in there, soundly booed, he walked over to one of the turnbuckles and begins loosening the little ropes around the pad. Uh, <laughs> in his mind, and probably in the minds of everyone that noticed him doing this, they're probably thinking that the, uh, no good shit is figuring out a way to you know, loosen yeah, the she, pad. Yeah, 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 he's a heel. Which is easiest to come off so he can remove it later in the match to do some damage to Brett. Uh, the match goes on, and at no time did the turnbuckle come into play. Uh, I honestly sat there like, what the hell, he didn't use a turnbuckle. Finding out years later, Owen's penchant for pulling in-ring ribs to other wrestlers at house shows. And he finally came to the conclusion that Owen was ribbing everybody in the audience. What an asshole! Most That's of them probably rib. didn't even realise it. Uh, you know, another thing which each, an honourable mention should go, for mentioning any sort of Owen ribs, apparently he did a spot-on Stu Hart impression. And many, many, many wrestlers fell for, you know, many shenanigans with him ringing them up in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, you know, if you're in the same hotel as Owen Hart, the safest bet would have been just to unplug your phone and just take your chances. So, I mean, yeah, that's those are, you know, you can't talk about Owen without talking about some of the ribs. There are literally hundreds out there. These are just a, a few. He sounds like a cruel, cruel man. And what's great about it is that, you know, you know Owen is sadly long gone, but you know, the, the legend of these ribs, anytime you got a, if you got a, if there's a shoot interview that's out and they were around during that time, there's any any interviewer worth his salt mm. will ask him because you'll always find out. Earlier tonight, here at uh, in Kansas City, uh, tragedy befell the World Wrestling Federation and all of us. Owen Hart was uh, set to make an entrance from the ceiling, and uh, he fell from the ceiling. And I have the unfortunate responsibility to let everyone know that Owen Hart has died. Owen Hart has tragically died from that accident here tonight. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the sold-out Keel Center here in St. Louis. As you can see, scores of superstars lining up to pay tribute to the life and the times of the late Owen Hart, who died last night in a tragic accident at Over the Edge in Kansas City. You're going to be able to hear the candid and very, very real sentiments of many of Owen's fellow superstars uh, who will share with us their feelings about Owen Hart and what he meant to them. In this business, I guess you got a lot of acquaintances, but very few friends. And Owen, he was one of those friends. The thing I remember most about Owen Hart is uh, his ability to make me and uh, anyone else laugh. 
And when I think of Owen, um, I smile. I love this family. Talk about him all the time. Um, he's one of the guys that really felt was true about that. Lived for his kids and his wife. I think there's probably a special place in heaven growing hard. I, like all the other guys, will miss him, and, and we loved him. I still can't believe you're gone, and you're not with us anymore. I keep thinking, I keep looking for you. Ladies and gentlemen, all I can say about Owen Hart is I hope that I can be as good a man as him so that I can see him again someday. Um, so, okay, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it briefly now, but, you know, at Over the Age of 1999, it was, in many people's minds, the most tragic night possibly in wrestling ever, when Owen was meant to come down as his Blue Blazer gimmick, come down from the rafters and be released and, you know, fall fall flat on his face, basically, just from, from a small distance. Uh, which is something he'd actually done before. Um, I don't know if many people actually realise that. I've seen that. the footage of, the, the, of when he originally did it. He did do it before. And then, you know, the idea is that he's the Blue Blazer. He comes down kind of like Sting. You know, the mm. same people who did this harness were the people who did Sting's harness in WCW. Come all the way down and you just fall flat in his face just like an inch like off the goof. ground. And a goof. You know, and I don't want to get into a big thing about, you know, oh, should he have been up there? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it is what it is. You know, uh, there's plenty of if you really want a, a really good in-depth analysis of, of why he was up there and what happened and, and all that I think Wade Keller did an interview with Vince Russo and Ed Ferreira who were the guys who were the writers at the time and they explained everything about it so I mean go check that out one thing that happened obviously which people were were, were quite divided on is that the pay-per-view continued after the fact being that own fell obviously early enough in the pay-per-view we know the fans at home didn't see it uh, the pay-per-view stopped for around 15 minutes they announced that Owen had fallen and that you know he was incredibly injured or whatever they went on with the matches and then you know uh, Jim Ross had to announce later on in the show in front of everyone that Owen had passed which honestly in terms of asking a man to do something that's possibly the most harrowing horrible thing I can't yeah. imagine you know how that must haunt him to this day having to break that news such absolutely horrible it's it's absolutely it's heartbreaking it's actually heartbreaking just to even talk about it in the new WWE 20th anniversary DVD uh, admirably because they've they haven't shied away from obviously because there's been you know legal cases and stuff like that they do discuss it though on the the latest uh, you know release and they talk about it and the tragedy and whatnot. main question I want to ask is do you think they should have continued the pay-per-view because that's the real kind of I think that's the real phone a contention that a lot of people picked up on I mean it's I think intelligent arguments can be made that you know that it was there was there was a legitimate accent was what caused it you know the the, the tragedy or whatever no one was really you know there was no one to blame it was just no a, a, it was a screw up with, with yeah. equipment you know it was it was it was that was it but do you think they should have continued do you think that was right of them to do I don't know is it I don't feel qualified to answer that question I mean I, I don't know everything about it I mean, out of respect for Owen, I would say, no, you should have like stopped the pay-per-view there. Mm-hmm. But then, 
you hear all these arguments about what about the people that paid for their tickets, what about the fans that were there, you hear all these different things and I also heard at one point that apparently all the wrestlers who were still fighting on the card that night, they didn't know that Owen had died, yeah. they just knew there was an accident. Yeah. The crowd so, didn't know either actually, that's yeah, something so that, the, crowd, the crowd wouldn't have found out until either they got home and someone was watching on the pay-per-view or even the next day on the news. But yeah. I think the crowd, obviously, I mean, the crowd had witnessed the accident, so I think they would, you know... Mm. They knew there was something serious going they on. Knew well, I, I've seen Over the Edge. I just, uh, just out of curiosity, I watched. Mm. I watched Over the Edge and from the moment on where Owen does fall, the, you know, there's the justification of do it for the crowd. The crowd kind of don't want to be there anymore. It's and just, it's noticeable mm. that the crowd, you know, they they're not here... To see any wrestling now, they just want to know if Owen's okay. Yeah. And obviously he wasn't. I mean, a case that was made was that they had to keep doing it because of the you know, contract with the pay-per-view company that they had to provide, you know, X amount of hours or whatever. And, you know, people could technically have, uh, you know, claim, you know, made claims against them or whatever. That's mm. obviously not strong enough reason or whatever. And I, I don't like when people are going to go, oh, Owen would have wanted the show to go on or Owen wouldn't have wanted the show to go on. Who are you to say? No one's to say. I think the, 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 the way it is is that it was a, probably a spur-of-the-moment decision, possibly one that they probably regret. Yeah. But either way, people are going to point fingers. Well, the, the thing is as well... Like, what I, I mean, can say is that no... I think Billy, you're right in saying no one in the audience was comfortable being there after mm. the fact. And I certainly was not comfortable. I can't I can't watch that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've not seen it either. Uh, but, um, I mean, the, the thing is, is like... People will say that, you know, it's sort of it seems callous that they carried on the pay-per-view after it happened. But like you say, it must have been a snap decision. And you imagine the person that actually had to make that call at the end of the day... How fucking tough a call that must have been oh, to make! Man. It's yeah. not an easy thing to choose. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely, I can't decide what I think about it. I literally don't know. Mm. It's a very difficult thing. I don't understand it properly. Who, who would it have been to make the decision? Would it have been uh, the Vince? final call would have been Vince. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's at the end that's, of the day, it's it's a that big thing on his shoulders. That is, and whether you agree with it or not, you've got to bear in mind Vince is still just one man, and this is a big decision to make. Yeah. It was it. It's it's such a. I mean, but um, the next night on Raw, they did Raw's own, and you know, I I think some people, like Brett included, at the time was kind of like, oh, you know, they're capitalizing on a tragedy, and you know, they're carting people out, pretending to pretend they cared about own. I mean, I think if you take that stance, I know uh, Brett has a, changed his tone completely. In the that was so cynical, and that for many years, I think that was one thing that really like upset me that Brett was like thought things like that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because if they yeah. didn't do a tribute show people would be like oh so they're just not going to talk about it it's, yeah. I think that for me I mean I've been a fan for 15 years and I've sadly had to sit through more than one uh, tribute show mm. yeah. and you know it was for, for me I think the Raw's own thing was I mean first of all when I was a kid I only I didn't watch the pay-per-view I was I'd stay up that night yeah. and I didn't have the internet so I only I tuned in to watch Raw and that's how you found out and I found out that Owen was yeah. dead and that for me was a really like, strange moment as a wrestling fan because obviously the other kids in the playground or whatever were like people were making fun of, of the guys who like wrestling and saying it was yeah. phony and all that and that was in a f- few moments early on when I was kind of like shit like you know wrestling has a dark side to it sometimes mm. and it's it's quite a weird position to be in as a fan with, with, especially with, as a with child as, as well as a child. Yeah. I 
don't. I didn't really process it because I mean, how can oh, you? I'm not going to say like Owen was my favorite. Hart was my favorite wrestler as a kid. He wasn't, but he was a wrestler I really liked. Mm. The wrestler I've grown to love a lot more since. But as a kid, it was so fucked up. Like it was really strange. It was really sad as well. I mean, the the tribute episode. Looking back now, it was really. It's. It was, I thought it was quite classy. I thought it was the right thing to do. The tributes I thought were touching. Yeah. I thought they were honest. Mm. Uh, no one was made speak that didn't want to speak. Mm. You know, I, I think if you're saying that it wasn't legitimate in any way, I, I, I think you're wrong. It didn't feel like anyone was putting on a, a, a no. mask of any sort. No. You, can, you can see just in the, for all of them, uh, all of the testimonials about Owen, you know, they, they are, you know, embracing the fact that they are breaking kayfabe and you know there's a couple of moments in it you know there's Mark Henry's poem um, Jeff Jarrett talking Triple H talking and he's just you know in absolute tears you just see how much they did genuinely care. Owen was their own. friend, like, you know. And I, I think it was, I remember Foley in his book saying that, um, you know, he thought it was, one thing that upset him on the tribute show was that they could show so few highlights of Owen's career because he had spent so much time as this, you know, evil monster that we were talking about earlier, mm. which obviously, to show a tribute package and, you know, if it's Owen being a bastard all the time. Yeah. You know, it was, but I think the reason why it came through was that outside of the ring, own heart was seemingly just one of the nicest most genuine guys ever loved his family loved it you know he was a cheap bastard on the road mm. he interacted with the fans on a great level oftentimes to save money but he seemed like a genuine guy who really you know uh, touched his work the, the people he worked with and whatnot to, to, to wrap it up it was one of the few times in wrestling where I think it was a genuine tragedy that was not kind of like oh it was to do with drugs or it was to do you know it was there was no one to blame it was just an accident it was a horrible accident and I think that's really what and to to the person it happened to you know it was the last person it should have happened to you mean there was no one who wanted to kind of be with his family more and had plans to move on more than own hearts it was really sad massive tragedy but I mean I think you know uh, not to, to, to well entirely on that I think though what that kind of showed us was, was the impact that Owen had in his relatively short career uh, X-Pac said in an interview recently that he thought that Owen was actually a much better worker and a much more capable performer than Brett but Owen never took it as seriously as anyone else mm. he had this light hearted side to him and I think though I mean uh, looking back and just going through these matches and whatnot, Owen Hart had such a fucking amazing career. I think it's pointless to kind of go, oh, should he have won the world belt if you know if the tragedy didn't happen? Oh, what would have happened? Waste of time. It's a waste of time. You know what? Uh, it's it's a wrestling business. I mean, I'll, and now and then I'll side with Vince Russo with the idea of you know it's a belt. You know, I mean, it, it's not being meaningless. Not being a world champion doesn't mean that you didn't have an amazing career. Owen had an amazing career, and he had such some of the greatest matches that stand up to the test of time you said in the last episode that before you started the podcast you probably only knew own as the wrestler who you know died in a tragedy yeah do you think that's changed that, of course it? that's changed yeah, i mean exactly. I, i've i've got a tremendous amount of respect for the work that owen did like his matches were amazing and some of the well he's one of the most consistently great guys we've seen on the podcast yeah you think about you know everyone's had like a crap match here and there but from the ones we've watched of owen he's been brilliant throughout and I just didn't realise this entire time until we started doing this. I never realised that he was this talented and this entertaining. Billy, any closing thoughts on Owen? I was I was the same as Adam. I knew Owen as the wrestler who died at a pay per view before starting the podcast. That's as I in the first pay per view we did. I can't even remember which one it was where Owen had a match. WrestleMania fourteen. It was at yeah. WrestleMania fourteen. Yeah. So the very first episode, as soon as Owen Hart's name was said, I. 
I, the first thing that came to my my mind was this guy's gonna die. And you know the the second yeah the second we started the podcast like I remember the first thing people were like oh what you know over the edge what are you gonna do like you know yeah. people people are quite focused on that it's, event which it is actually um, does bother me quite a lot to be honest with you because. To, I, I was never obsessed with Owen's death or anything, but you know, all I knew about Owen was that he did die, and now I have this more this bigger appreciation for Owen. It actually does annoy me when people are just like, yeah. "Oh, how are you going to talk about Owen's death?" Or you know, uh, "What's this?" So about? much more to the man. There's a lot more to the man, and sadly, you know, when we made the promise that we were going to cover the entire attitude era, that means we have to, you know, cover the the darker parts yeah. as well and the well, tragedy like this. Undoubtedly. But I just think that if you're listening to this, I know it's been a little bit serious the last 10 minutes or so, but the one thing you should take away from this is that there is a lot more to Owen than what happened at Over the Edge, and you should go out of your way to like educate yourself, like I'm going to do now. I'm going to, I'm going to go and watch a shitload of Owen Hart matches after this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Really get a better understanding and a better appreciation of him. And I mean, like it's it's strange because it's it's I think people want it... They want the tragedy. They want it to be more than it is. I think they're they're looking. People are often just looking for some sort of explanation, or some sort of inside scoop, or no, something the, happened. Or there's never been that closure with it because obviously they, yeah, they, they've no, had issues with his widow and. I I think it is it is sad. I think that the issues with the widow and own not being mentioned on on WWF TV and whatnot. I think that seems to be changing. Mm. From what I'm gathered, that you know they've moved on to that. I'm not. I'm not qualified to say. I don't know where they are in those. I. I. Uh, the fact that he's been mentioned on the the latest um, release I was mentioning is, that's, a, positive, that's a, is a positive sign. Yeah. I hope that you guys understand why we discussed this in the manner we did discuss it in. It's been fucking awesome looking back at Owen Hart moments. Oh, this, this yeah. has been a blast looking at these matches. You know, yeah. and not just looking back at the moments, but looking back at the fun moments and having a few laughs about like the crazy shit Owen got 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 up to. Uh, Owen Hart. A soul survivor, the Blackheart. He did it on his own. Woo! Yes! That's been fun. Thanks very much for listening to... (laughs) Thanks very much for listening to the Attitude Era podcast uh, on this... You know, kind of strange, different episode, I suppose. I apologise if we got a little too serious for your liking there. Things will be back to normal next episode. Or, or if in the first three quarters of it, we, we marked out too hard. Yeah, or if at any point I came off not knowing what I was talking about, because this is me out of my element, floundering around <laughs> Probably Probably place. going to uh, edit out all these bits out. I don't want any admissions of weakness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's going to do it for this episode, this very special episode of the Attitude Era podcast. AE Podcast is own, I think is how we're actually going to do it. Nice title. End of time yeah. this one. It's been a weird episode. It's been a very different episode. Yeah. You know, it's... I it, hope you... Go, yeah, I'm sure everyone will understand, though. It has to be a little bit different because we need to try and pay tribute to Owen as best as we can here. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it was fun reliving those matches. Such amazing stuff from Owen there. Thanks so much for everyone who uh, tweeted, messaged us, you know, went over on Facebook as well. And, yeah, had a blast you know, looking at all the videos. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of actually matches which were suggested to us, like, you know, Brett and Owen versus uh, the Quebecers was one of them. Owen and Yoko versus the Steiners. There's so many more matches. But go over onto the Facebook page. You can see all the other ones that people posted. Some great more matches about Owen you can check out. I was going to say that one of the one of the good matches that was on this month was uh, Owen's debut as the Blue Blazer at WrestleMania 5. Against yeah, yeah, Mr. Mr. Perfect, Perfect, yeah. I watched that today and that's a great match. Fantastic. I recommend that to anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, and of course it was so much fun, you know, reliving those ribs and things like that with Owen. So, yeah, thanks very much for, for tuning in this episode. Next episode is going to be the pilot episode of SmackDown. We're going to Ooh. review that. That's going to hopefully help us get up to date with a lot of the storylines. And all I have to do is thank you very much for listening to this very special edition of the Attitude Era podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at AEP 
podcast. Give us a like over on facebook.com forward slash the Attitude Era podcast. If you're listening in on iTunes, make sure you subscribe, go back, download all our other episodes, and you can leave a rating or review there as well, and that will help us out immeasurably as well. Also check out botchamania.com for all the latest updates from us at the AE podcast. And if you're in the market for a wrestling zine... And I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> I bloody well am. <laughs> Tell me more. If you're a fan of zines, you know, if you know what a zine is, it's basically punk rock uh, uh, style, uh, you know, collection of They're articles. really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Callingspots.com. They're an amazing wrestling zine. We're really happy to be involved with them. We actually are presenting the latest issue of the Calling Spots zine. You can get it over on callingspots.com. It's like two quid. Issue number seven, presented by us. It's got great stuff in there. Some interviews, some reviews, great artwork, and an article from us a little bit about, you know, are we forgetting what the editor was really about? We're not just saying this either. We've been reading Calling Spots for a while now. I've been a fan since like issue four or five. I'll tell you I what, I'm, I'm, I've been a He's actually got fan. a stack over here. I've got a stack Spots. over here. <laughs> No, the, uh, the, they won my they won my heart mainly because they put in a wrestling crossword in one of their early <laughs> which for me was the greatest thing ever. Sitting back on a Sunday afternoon with a pen in my mouth doing the crossword. <laughs> so that's going to do it on this very special AE podcast is own episode. So it is a goodbye from me, Kevin. From me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll catch you next time on the Adagera podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Woo! Woo! Yes!